What's up, friends? This is the second ever podcast, uh, the last that we recorded at the Cozy Corner in Appleton. It's with Steve Jones, leadership guru, head coach of the Kimberly football program, Kimberly, Wisconsin. Um, he took over the program my senior year of high school, and it was great talking to Steve. We talked about servant leadership, leadership, and um, how to how to serve others as a leader. So hopefully you enjoy and hopefully you can take some lessons from this. Five, four, three. What's up, friends? What's up, friends? We're back. But why not? But why not? Folks, this is the But Why Not podcast slash live show with Venture Wisconsin. I'm Evan Frymuth, sitting across from Coach Steve Jones, head coach of the Kimberly football program, uh, someone kind of from a past life for me personally. Um, I was there um, during his transition. We're all good, right? Okay, cool. Um, so we are going to be talking leadership and introducing you to Steve, um, kind of a deep, deeper dive, I guess. Uh, the point of this podcast is to promote long-form discussions about things that benefit the community. And uh, if you have any questions for Coach Jones, put them in the comment box, and we will return to those later on. Griff, you remember what I told you about commenting to let people know to drop their comments throughout the show? Awesome. So hopefully we can answer some questions for people if people uh, ask questions. So... Um, should I call you coach or whatever Steve? you want, man? Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm good either way. Okay, so um, why don't you start out by telling us kind of what you've been up to? Like, what is is this the off season for you, or or what does it look like right now? Yeah, right now in the coaching world, there isn't really an off season. It's just a different time of year. It's a different placement. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, right now we're focused on the uh, the weight room, and really right after the state championship game, the following week, our kids are right back in there. So it really never stops. Um, so a lot of weight room, a lot of speed development stuff right now. And, uh, also, uh, you know, in the, in, in this part of the, of our season too, there's, um, you know, uh, college recruiters in and you're dealing with some of that stuff and trying to help some of our players, uh, make those decisions. So it's just a different point in the season. There's no yeah, off season anymore. For sure. Definitely. So, um, yeah, based on where you're at now, what are you? Seventh, eighth season? Is this? Eighth? I just wrapped up my eighth season. Just yep, wrapped right up the eighth. ninth. Yep. Okay, so um, in terms of irons in the fire, I guess, because um, you were the you were the track coach, mm-hmm. um, then you became the football, and I think you were heading up both, mm-hmm. and uh, you run the leadership program at Kimberly. Um, what irons still exist? Like, what are you working on now? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you know, obviously, the head football coach still uh, teach leadership. There's a leadership one, and then there's a leadership two mm-hmm. um, at Kimberly High School, which are both electives, great programs. Um, so I get my hands in that, and then um, I took a little bit of a, a break from track. I'm going to come back this year and uh, work with our sprinters. And then uh, when I get a little bit of time, I'm also uh, entering into the business community a little bit and, and doing some talks, some keynote talks on, on leadership, which has been uh, fun and rewarding and a great learning experience for me too because I think there's so many correlations in leadership from football uh, into the business world. Um, so I, I get to go and talk, but I also get to learn a lot about culture and about, a lot about leadership from that point of view. 
Um, as an educator, there aren't a lot of other people that are teaching leadership. So yeah. uh, one thing I've found that I get to grow in the most is, is learning from business leaders and, and awesome. kind of taking that back and putting your tweaks on it and, and uh, implementing that into our program and to our leadership classes. Okay, so that's awesome. So it's coming down from business community into the high school, basically. Yeah, and, and I'm a believer that leadership is leadership. Mm-hmm. So whether it's football, whether it's classroom, whether it's business, um, you know, I think there's just so many common threads, and I think it works both ways. When I go in there and I talk about our leadership and our football program, I mean, it correlates so well to the to the business world and then vice versa. And um, you start building connections and you start learning from people, and it's just a way for me to grow as a leader. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a win-win. That's awesome. Is that an entrepreneurial endeavor for you then? Is that like new territory for you or? Yeah, it is. Yep. Um, cool. Yeah. Again, just uh, probably started doing that about two or three years ago. And, um, you know, it's, I, I don't have a website. I, I don't, yeah. I, you know, I don't have a speaker kit. <laughs> Might it's just, get there. You know, it, yeah. Uh, it's just more of word of mouth, kind of organic mm-hmm. conversations and people that probably, you know, view our, our servant leadership culture and our football program. Mm-hmm. Um, they see some of that and, and they, they want to learn more about it. Definitely. Is there a story behind that? Like, did someone come up to you and like, you have to be doing this or was it something that you wanted to approach? Uh, yeah, I just kind of fell into it. So there's a, a guy named Joe Kinninger. He works out of Green Bay, Profit Marketing. Um, great guy, great company. And, and then he, he runs a, uh, an organization called Slow Servant Leaders of Wisconsin. And okay. they do quarterly meetings at the Mark and the Pier. So he invited me to come speak. And um, so I spoke in front of a bunch of business people for the first time and nice. really didn't know what I was getting myself into. Just kind of yeah. talked about our program and our beliefs in leadership. And um, from there, there were various organizations that wanted me to come in and and speak uh, specifically to their organization and then from there i just kind of took off and um again i i I put you know my teaching and and coaching and uh you know my family at the forefront so um i don't do any speaking from the start of football to the end of football i i I put our players first and it's just Mm -hmm. if it works in my schedule and they can make it work and um I, i i take advantage of those opportunities that's awesome. Um, what is that period for you, football-wise, where it's like we're in football season? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, now it's it's really kind of turned into July. Uh, we have five days where we can coach our kids in Wisconsin now. Um, I don't know if you had that those five contact days when you were playing, but yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we use those in July, and then um, you know August first hits, and and we're going. So, mm-hmm. you know, most you know most of July is still uh, weight training and speed development stuff, and then you get those five days. But really, your mind is starting to really hone in in July and then, you know, uh, hit the ground running in August. And then you're hopefully playing through uh, November. Is That's it, the goal. I, I can't imagine um, maybe like your mindset, whether it's like flow state or what, what it looks like. But when does that like does that start shifting slowly or is it kind of like boom, practice <laughs> starts and you're just like, you know, you're just running on all cylinders all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think because of those five contact days, it's a little bit of a gradual, you know, climb into Mm -hmm. that August 1st, um, you know, hitting at full speed. And then I think the nice thing with football is you get those five days that, that kind of builds you into August. And then, you know, August, you really, you really get to hone in on football and you don't have to, Mm. you know, worry about teaching because school hasn't started yet. Right. So you get a month of that and then you get, and then you get into, you know, the school year where now it's football and teaching. So, I think it's more of that gradual climb into, you know, into full goal. Yeah, it almost gives you a transition mm-hmm. in August, definitely. Um, what, is there a difference in your teaching life 
um, when football's in season and when it's out in terms <laughs> of like how that pulls on you? Yeah, I try not to. I, you know, I try to, and, I, and and hopefully, if you'd poll my students, they'd say the same thing that mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not a different teacher. You know, first term as opposed to the third term, because um, I I think our students deserve that. I tell them all the time mm-hmm. when I get them for those 90 minutes where I'm block scheduling, they deserve my best. So I really try to. I take a lot of pride in in my teaching, even more so than my coaching. You know, I I really think football to me now in my in my my coaching career has kind of turned into a leadership lab football has you know we talk a lot about leadership in our in our football program obviously we have classes and what we always say is leadership is a lot easier to talk about than it is to do Mm -hmm. so we do a lot of the learning and then when football practice or the games come then that's the lab and can we put what we've learned into practice Mm -hmm. uh instead of just talking about it now can we do it um so i really take pride in the teaching part so i i really try not to allow it to interfere Mm -hmm. and um and same with my family. I do my best. Now, I th- obviously, I, my family, I'm not around as much in the fall as I am in the winter. But mm-hmm. uh, I do my best to try to, to, to prioritize. prioritize, you know. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Um, how long does it seem? Because you almost get a new crop of leaders every year, right, mm-hmm. in terms of football, at least. Um, well, you're probably building out leaders or trying to, at least. You probably have your own system, whether it's whether you're cognizant of it or, or it's very, uh, you know, unconscious process, but how long do you think into the season does it take before you really start to see who's stepping up and who's, um, taking those roles? Uh, you know, that's a great question. Um, so what we do, you know, we, we have a leadership council, uh, where, where our kids can apply, uh, to be a part of this leadership council and, uh, they write a cover letter like they would for a job and, mm-hmm. um, and that you know they they do that application process um kind of in, in the winter months and then i tell them okay you know now every day is kind of an interview and mm-hmm. uh you know how they are how they're you know acting in, in the weight room how they're acting in the classroom in the hallway you know how they're behaving on their you know winter sports team all those things are kind of taken into account yeah. and then you know if they make it into the leadership council which we take the vast majority of kids is if they want to be a leader i don't want to turn them away for sure um and then you know we we have some some off-season you know uh voluntary meetings where we start to learn about leadership and is this more football you're talking about yeah okay right now just football because you know you asked me about when when do i start to see yeah, yeah, them yep um and i guess my message to those guys all the time and and um you know you guys can maybe remember this but you know when you enter your senior year you're really you're in your junior year as a football player mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's winter of your junior year that's really your senior year right and if you're gonna wait till the football season to start leading <laughs> it's too late, it's yeah. too late. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the message I kind of send is, hey, you need to start seeing it. So I'm hoping that I'm seeing that leadership, you know, as juniors, you know, and even as sophomores in that weight room because that's yep. what we need. We can't wait, help, allow them to wait till August to start leading. You know, then it's too late. Definitely. Um, cool. So let me think here. I had a thought. Okay. So <laughs> lost my train of thought here. So talk about um, servant leadership mm-hmm. once. So basically, is that your was that your philosophy from the beginning or is that something that got adopted over time? Yeah, you know, I, when I first took on the leadership class, so I used to be a health teacher and I went and got my master's in educational leadership. And then through that process, I had the choice of, you know, you can either write, write a thesis or do a project. Well, we'll only do a project that I can implement now. 
uh, as a teacher. So then I was able to implement uh, character and leadership uh, into the health curriculum. So my principal caught wind of that, uh, asked me if I want to take on a leadership class. So uh, he said, you can have two next year. This was, you know, 10 years ago, but he said, you can have two and then we'll see what happens from there. So two turned into four, turned into eight. And now mm-hmm. there's two teachers. Now both of us are teaching leadership class. Wow. Um, and through that journey, you know, you start to really, when you're teaching leadership, you, you learn a lot. And um, I think early on in that journey through my master's program and through my first year of teaching it, you know, the common thread, I think, amongst all great leaders is that they're servants. Mm-hmm. If you start to really study leadership, um, I, I don't know if you can find a great leader who's not a servant. So you look at Martin Luther King, you look at Gandhi, you look at Mother Teresa, you look at our military, mm-hmm. you look at your parents. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they're all servants. You know, your mom is your servant. You know, mm-hmm. uh, your your dad is your servant. Now, that term servant can't be mixed up with the term subservient. So a lot of times gotcha. when you hear servant, you think, well, everybody's just doing stuff for you. Or you're getting walked out. Or you're getting or walked all over. Yeah. You're a doormat. Mm-hmm. Well, really, that that term, that, 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 that term is subservient. Yep. To me, a servant leader means you care so much about the people you're working with that you're willing to give them yeah. what they need, even if it doesn't benefit you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I bring this up, I often ask the question of, you know, who's the best leader in your life and why? And when I pull high schoolers, I pull adults, I would say probably 80% of them bring up a parent or both parents. Mm-hmm. So then That's I'll, what I was going to say. Yeah. So if you ask a high schooler and they say their mom, I'll say, well, do you know your mom's a servant, your servant? And you should see that, you know, they they get this dream, yeah. you know, because <laughs> yeah. they're picturing themselves. Because it's true, yeah. Yeah, they're picturing themselves, okay, yeah, my mom's a servant, so I'm going to lay on the couch and she's going to fan me and feed me grapes or Taco Bell or, you know, right. Cozy Corner. And, and I'm, you know, and yeah. I'm going to watch Netflix and just chill yeah. and hang out and, and she's going to do everything for me. Well, my follow-up question is then to them is, you know, do you always like your mom? Mm-hmm. No, I don't always like my. Well, why don't you always like your mom? Because she, she like grounds me and stuff, you know. Yeah. Oh, so she holds you accountable, right? You know, and they're like, yeah, that. Or yeah. you know, why else don't you like your mom? Because she, because she pushes me. Oh, she wants you to be a better version of yourself. You know, yeah, that. Yeah. You know, so I start to understand that servant leadership isn't always warm and fuzzy and skipping down the street in, in mm-hmm. you know rainbows and butterflies. It's yeah. It's sometimes it's tough conversations. It's holding people mm-hmm. accountable. But it's all about the intent in what you're doing. And if you're doing it out of love and care, yep. then it's serving leadership. If you're doing it because I want to get the benefit out of it, uh, or I want to bring you down, or yeah. I, you know, now now it's a whole different form of leadership. That's perfect. Do you have a process? Is there a process that you can almost um, put into words for like the people at home? Mm-hmm. So if someone has something they're passionate about, or something they want to change in the community, or something they want to change in themselves. Um, is there a way, um, is there a process that you bring these, these students through t- in order to find out how to have the best interests of other people in their mind? Yeah, so our, our leadership process or our leadership bl- uh, blueprint, if you would imagine a triangle, right? And uh, there's three levels to that triangle. The first level of that triangle is uh, the ability to lead yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So um, leading by example, that most people refer to it. So that, to me, is the most basic form of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think it's great leadership. And uh, sometimes I get in arguments or debates about that. But if somebody would come up to me and say, you know, oh, Evan's a great leader, and I'll say, well, why? Well, because he leads by example. Mm-hmm. I'll say, then he's not a great leader. 
and then I'll yeah, get it's I'll, the first step, right? It, it's the first step. Walk and the it's, walk. It, it, to me, it's gr- it's fine, but yeah. it's a cop out because I yeah. think a lot of people just want to lead by example because it's the safest form of leadership. Yep. There's exactly. no risk, there's no, no vulnerability. F- there's no vulnerability. For absolutely. Sure. So when I say, well, then he's not a leader, they'll say, well, what do you mean? I'll say, well, <laughs> then tell me why why I'm such a good leader. Well, you know, mm-hmm. he shows up on time, he works really hard, he listens, he's respectful. Yeah. And I'll say, well, that's great, but isn't that the standard? Shouldn't everybody be doing those things? Right. Now, not everybody does, but yeah. in an organization, in a community, in a team, to me, that's the standard. So mm-hmm. you need to do those things to earn the right and the privilege to lead others. So if you were lazy and then you told your, br- your brother Griff to work harder, mm-hmm. how would he respond to you if you were lazy? He'd be like, screw you. Yeah, you absolutely. don't do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no one follows or respects a hypocrite. So you have to do those things first. So that's why it would be on the baseline of that pyramid. Mm-hmm. The next step um, is the ability to lead others. So how do you lead yourself, and then how do you pull mm-hmm. other people up to the standard? Yeah. Right. And now, now we're getting into the art of leadership because sometimes to pull people up to the standard, it's giving them a little kick in the pants. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's putting your arm around them and asking what's going on in their life. So, you know, that's the art of leadership. There isn't a cookie cutter way to pull people up. Definitely. Because uh, everybody's motivated and driven different ways right mm-hmm. and then so if you can do those things and then the highest level of leadership the top of that pyramid or that triangle is being a servant mm-hmm. and that's when you care about yourself or your community so much that you're willing to sacrifice your own personal wants and needs for right. others okay. so um you know in our football program just to give you a real easy example we have a lot of seniors that will play on the scout team <laughs> So those are, those people aren't familiar with football. That's you know basically they're running the other team's offense or defense, and they're getting beat up by the stars every week. Mm-hmm. And they're a senior, yeah. But they're doing that because they know that's going to make the team better. Gotcha. And they're you know they're not getting any limelight for it. They're not getting their name in the paper. But to yeah. me, they're being great leaders because they're making the people around them better, even if it doesn't benefit them. Definitely. So uh, before we were talking about kind of that bottleneck idea Mm -hmm. right of of leadership of leaders leaders, right and um so how do we get to that point in in our leadership class so one thing that we do in our leadership class is we do something called a change project Mm -hmm. so what we do is we we take issues in our school or our community and then our our kids pick those uh and then they work in collaborative groups to try to solve it right Mm -hmm. solve some of those issues now sometimes we're successful sometimes we're not um, I tell them it's tough because if it was easy, somebody else would have solved it, right? Right. <laughs> but when you were talking about the bottlenecking in, mm-hmm. in our in our society right now and how you know leaders are are, are, are scared to step up and make a change because I, I tell our kids, regardless of their success in that project, mm-hmm. what my hope is that they leave our class the type of leader that says, this is wrong, somebody should do something about it, mm-hmm. and then they go and they try because – Evan, right now, what's happening in our society? People are saying, this is wrong, somebody should do something about it, and then what do they do? Yeah, they just tweet about it. <laughs> they tweet about it. They yeah. walk away. They complain about it. Yep. You know, they, they don't go all in mm-hmm. and say, you know what, I might fail, but at least I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. You know, they're too, it's too easy to, to Instagram or Snapchat or tweet about it and complain about it or tell how everybody else is doing it wrong yeah. than to have the courage to commitment, step up the commitment, commitment. Yeah. yeah commitment's tough it is for sure um through through this leadership process do you feel like or or through your um journey as learning about this stuff teaching it do you feel like you've learned more from because I'm, I'm sure you're doing tons of research 
I know you go, I don't know if you read books or go to seminars or what, but it's a never-ending process. Mm -hmm. So do you feel you learn more in the process through working with kids, or do you feel like you learn more um, through the secondary stuff? So it's almost like you talked about, um, it's like I like teaching it, and then I also have to implement it in coaching. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you learn more personally every year, because I know you're constantly learning, through... um, through coaching and the kids and teaching leadership, or do you feel like you learn more from the uh, the books and the seminars and talking to business leaders, stuff like that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, yeah, you know, I, I definitely learn so much from our kids and just being able to teach it every day, you know, because it mm-hmm. really makes you think. And, again, I, I don't want to be the hypocrite, right? So I mm-hmm. want to try to be living them out every day. Um, but I also learn a lot through the journey of doing the research and, and trying to stay up to date and, and trying to grow as a leader. So, you know, you asked me if I learned through the process, I, I would say yes, because I think I view that whole thing as the process, you know, mm-hmm. the process of teaching, the process of listening to our kids, the process of researching it, the process of going out and learning from other leaders. I just I think that that whole thing is my journey in the process. And I think that's the idea of having a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Right is is I'm going to come in here and do this for an hour. I'm going to I'm going to walk away with something. I'm going to learn something from you, you know. Um, and I think if you have that mindset, I think you're always in the process. Yep. Is there a moment? Is there a moment that you could point to that was like the the biggest breakthrough or the biggest like growth spurt? And whether it's in the leadership realm, I mm-hmm. guess whether that was coaching or whether that was talking to the principal about starting your first class or is there any moment that you can think of? I'd say probably the, the journey through my first year of coaching, you know, that was, uh, uh, that wasn't easy, you know, because again, mm-hmm. I, I, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Right. And, and, right. you know, I, I thought I was ready and I thought I knew I was getting myself into, but you learn so much through the experience. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was, a, it was a great year. And, um, but I, I, I learned a lot and I grew a lot and I still do. I grow every yeah. single year, but if you're talking about a truly pivotal <laughs> moment, right. that, that season was, was big for me as far as my growth pulls on you it does um when you say first season did you mean first ever do you mean first as head coach first as head coach i'm sorry yeah first as head coach yeah and first year ever too you know yeah when i was before i came here i coached at baraboo high school okay and uh you know i was i i I coached for a year at college at uw stevens point and then i went down and i I coached my first high school job and uh they gave me a defensive coordinator position and i thought i knew what i was doing and man was i bad yeah. You know, I, I failed a lot, I, you know, and, and I'm very th- grateful for my experience down in Baraboo because they they allowed me, they threw me to the wolves right. and, you know, the first year was bad. And, yeah. uh, and, and, but I'm so thankful for that process, for sure. you know, cause I, I learned so much. And the next year they moved me to offensive coordinator and, you know, we were a little better. We made the playoffs for the first time in a long time in that school. Mm-hmm. And then the second year, or th- sorry, my third year down there, then, you know, we made it to, I think to the second or third round of the playoffs. So it got better, but that it was, it was, it was like, yeah. a, it was a dig. The first year was a dig. I, I was buried for a little bit there. Yeah. How hard is it to, to get that across to students, the failure piece? Cause that's a big piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, it, my belief is, you know, there's, we call them the twin thieves. So, the twin thieves are the fear of failure and the fear of judgment. So mm-hmm. we call them twins because oftentimes they look the same. So a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of times people say they're scared of failure, but in reality what they're scared of is a judgment that comes after they fail. Mm-hmm. It, isn't the, it isn't really the failure that yeah. they're scared of. It's what are people going to think about me? What are my friends going to, you know, what are my parents? What are all these people? So sometimes they get m- kind of mixed up. So we call them twins and we call them thieves mm-hmm. because they can rob us. 
mm-hmm. you know, if we allow them to. They can rob us of so many things. They can rob us of our potential, opportunities, our success, um, our dignity, our pride. You know, you can go on and on of, of, those, of those twin thieves. And um, so we, we spend a lot of time on those two um, and teaching that failure is not final. You know, yeah. when you fail, it's a moment in time. The only time you end up being a failure is when you quit, yep. you know, um, that you can learn and grow so much from failure. So I think it's the constant reassurance of, hey, you know, if, if you're not yeah. failing, you're not trying. Yeah. You know, you're not pushing yourself. How did you deal with that at Baraboo in those first couple of years? Were there mentors that you drew upon or, or did you just... You just keep going, you know. I know that's yeah. What you got to do, but. both, you know. Yeah, there were there were you know because again, you're a young coach and you think you know what you're doing, and you know you got this little cockiness about you, which I did. And mm-hmm. man, you know you get humbled real quick because there's you know you go against the greats like you know Pat Rice. He's the head coach at Wanakee, and we you know we face some of those guys, and they just make you look like a fool. And uh, sure. there's I remember there were a lot of times I was. In the coach's office, you know, fetal position, you know, just like just not, <laughs> not sure. feeling very good about yourself. So, yeah. Um, but the the key is, is you know, you go through that on a Friday night, and you know, you wake up on Saturday and you pull yourself out of bed, and you you yeah. know, you get back at it, and uh, you you try to be as reflective as possible, so you try not to let it happen again. Did your system for um, reflecting on games and building on that? Do you do you have a system for that? Um, no, I probably okay. should. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no uh, that's you, okay. No, it's, um, <laughs> that's, that's a great question. You know, and, yeah. and I don't know if I definitely have a system, but, um, we, you know, and maybe we do, you know, I, so unwritten. I, it is, it's probably unwritten, mm-hmm. but it is a system. So I guess, you know, my system is, is, you know, I'm, I'm in the, in, you know, watching film by five forty-five the next morning wow. on Saturday. Um, and then. You know, there's usually another coach or two in at that time, and we're, we're talking. And then I, you know, some other coaches filter in, and some guys on the offensive staff. And we spend some of that time watching film. We spend that some of that time reflecting win or loss mm-hmm. on the night before and what we could do better. Um, and then, um, and then Sunday night we get together as a staff and we talk about it. And then we get together as an offensive staff. And that's always my first question: is before we move on to the, to, to the next game is. You know what went well, what didn't go well, what do we got to tweak, what do we got to get better? So I guess we have a system; it's just not mm-hmm. necessarily written down. Right. So here's something that um, I'm sure people are curious about: is is does that look so? so you you finish the game, it's what nine o'clock at night, ten sure. o'clock at night. Yep. Yeah, and you're already up early the next morning with the coaches, um, breaking that stuff down. Is that like a camaraderie filled type thing? Is it kind of laid back, or is it like is it like scientific? Um, yeah, it's probably more camaraderie. You know, obviously, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot better after a win than it is after a loss, as far as the camaraderie. End. Sure. But um, you know, in so much of our film right now, too, things have changed and evolved. It's so it's it's internet based. You know, mm-hmm. coaches can do it at home if they want. Yeah. Um, so we do have some coaches that that choose to to do it at home, or if, if you know they live out of town or whatever. But I think nothing beats when, when the coaches can get together even after, you know, that morning, even if it's for a half hour, you know, 45 mm-hmm. minutes. We have, you know, Coach Verstegen will pop in sometimes for 45 minutes, half hour, and we'll, you know, it, you get some really authentic dialogue that way, you know, because it's, it's fresh. It, the, the wounds are fresh, and, yep. you know, um, your reflection is fresh, and you're not running on a whole lot of sleep, but uh, yeah. it, they're real conversations. Sure. They're good. That's awesome. Um, so... I want to talk about um, two more things. I want to talk about your transition to head coach. 
Well, we've got some food coming. Let's, All right. Let's deal with that first. Hi there. Hey, hey, Tasha. Thank you so much. Look at that. Well, thank you. Big Mama Sliders. All thank right. you so much. We got Big Mama Sliders. Looks like, is it catfish? Catfish. All right. Let's uh, let's break into this quick. And then, so yeah, I want to talk about your transition to head coach because I was there for it. Mm -hmm. So kind of want to talk about that. And then um, if we can kind of try and get some kind of takeaway for for people in the community on just like um, leadership, some, you know what I mean? Some kind of maybe advice or um Maybe a resource that people can go out and mm -hmm. find stuff. One sec. All right. So where do you want to start? You want to start with the the transition? Yeah, one sec. Yeah. So. Um, my senior year is when you took over as head coach. What was that like? Because um, you you came you you know you came to a great program, and you just you know took it to another level. Was it was it tough? Like what were the what were the things that you thought you knew that you didn't? Yeah, you know, like I said before, I think that was a that was a big learning opportunity for me because, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think all the time from the outside as an assistant coach, you think you know all the things that are going on, but you, you truly don't know all the things that are going on. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're right. It, you know, it was successful moving in, uh, mm -hmm. to a program, you know, coach Jorgensen, uh, obviously did a great job and, and there were a lot of, you know, pieces still around, um, you know, coach Heisler and, you know, coach Matchy, obviously our strength coach. And I can yeah. go on and on of, of all the coaches. And that's a big thing too, is, you know, I think so much about leadership and so much about life is about who you surround yourself with. Definitely. And um, I'm, I'm extremely blessed with an unbelievable coaching staff. So mm -hmm. I get, you know, I get my name out there and, you know, I get to do things like this, but really those guys are really what makes it go, uh, especially when you're running a program as large as ours with, mm -hmm. you know, 180, 190 players, you need a great wow. staff, you know? Um, is that freshman through? Yeah. Freshman okay. through. Yeah. So it seems a little bigger but probably pretty similar to when, when you were there uh, probably a lot, you a lot know, bigger yeah so sophomore through senior you know we're probably sitting at 115 120 wow. um so it's you know that's pretty wild. good pretty good size group um, that's awesome but you need you need a great staff and um so as far as what i'd learned uh, on that process is you know you, you got to be you you know mm -hmm. and um you know when when i step in when you step in and, and you're stepping into a program that's already been really successful one thing you want to you, you, fear of failure and the fear of judgment creeped in huge, like wild yeah. you know you don't mm -hmm. want to be the one that screws it up right right definitely so it's almost like i didn't want to i didn't i didn't want to ruffle feathers i didn't want to screw anything up i didn't want to, i know i because you're all, all these things go through your mind of you know you don't want kids to quit and mm -hmm. you don't want this to happen and you don't want to lose staff and you don't want yeah. you don't want to lose games and Mm -hmm. you know and um somebody gave somebody gave me some good advice i said you know eventually you're going to get fired you just might as well get fired <laughs> your way right so um yeah. you know i think the biggest thing i learned is you just got to be you and you can't try to be somebody they're not and you can't you gotta do your best to not allow that fear of failure and that fear of judgment to creep in and you got to hold to what you think is really important and i and looking back i wish i would have done more leadership and more mindset training but i didn't know if that fit 
you know, because what we were doing was already working, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then I realized, you know, that was a big part of who I was. So the next year we really started kind of diving into it more and more and have been ever since. Definitely. Do you think, um, okay, so like year two is when you started implementing that stuff? Yeah, but he, even so you, you had, uh, was it David Clink in your class? Didn't know. He was the year after me. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so the year after is when we dove in. So David Clink's class was the first gotcha. year we really started the leadership council. Um, okay. You know, because I think I got the job in January or February, and, um, yep. you know, I was still head track coach. Mm-hmm. So I, I had head track going, head football going, and, so, um, uh, again, I was just <clears throat> trying to make sure I didn't screw things up. That was my work. Yeah. Like, just just don't screw things up. Like, yeah, don't, just don't keep the boat afloat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, and, and then I realized, you know, with culture and with anything else is, you know, it's live, so it's either growing or it's dying. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was trying to maintain it, and you can't, can't maintain that, it. Yeah. You know, you got you got to have that growth mindset of trying to make things better. Awesome. Do you think that? Um, do you think that that's something that mindset, that stuff you're adding, that um, takes time to grow? Mm-hmm. Because obviously, um, two years after that is when things took off. I mean, not that things didn't take off. I mean, I think Clink's class lost one game, like third round of the playoffs mm-hmm. or whatever, and. Um, yeah. Do you think it, it took a couple years to take hold that kind of mindset? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and the whole idea of culture and the whole idea of leadership, you know, it, we're in such a microwave society right now where we want results right now and right. we want to see it. And it's just not how things always work, you know, and, uh, it takes time and it takes patience and it takes persistence and it takes the guys buying in the right guys buying in, you know, mm-hmm. and, and when you can get some of your best players and your best coaches to buy in and speak the same language and have the same message, that's when you really get the good things going. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, is there anything that's excited you about um, life after football or even life after high school with um, – is there any specific projects or anything that you've seen students come out with that have just been like, wow, that's <laughs> just make you feel – yeah, there's a lot of them, and you know that's one of the joys of teaching that class is you get to see these projects go into 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 play and see kids grow and develop. And you know, I I truly believe the best part of coaching is is seeing kids grow and change mm-hmm. and evolve, and you know, catching up with former students and yeah. and seeing what they're doing and and hoping that the things that you talked about in your program you know had made a difference in them. Um, so. That's definitely the best part, you know, and, and there's always kids that surprise you, mm-hmm. you know, just this year with uh, our quarterback, you know, Cody Starkle, you know, he was, he was an average JV quarterback, yeah. you know, as a junior and uh, he comes out and, you know, never would have thought that he, you know, all of a sudden he's the quarterback of the year in the state, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, um, it's crazy. And that's, I think that's the best part of the journey. That's really cool. That's awesome. It, um, so working with kids has been a huge part of your whole journey. Um, what do you see for the future, I guess, moving forward? Um, and maybe, maybe you don't know in certain areas, but, um, any, any new, new things you see down the line three, five years from now? Yeah. You know, it's a good question. I always get the question about, you know, coaching college, which, you know, intrigues me. Uh, it'd have to be the right fit. Um, I, I want to make sure I'm a good dad to my son and nice. uh, part of, part of what worries me about recruiting is the amount of or coaching I'm sorry is the mm-hmm. amount of recruiting and on the road yep. uh, commitment there is with that so um, that, that might be a possibility down the road if it's the right fit um, 
and then you know again i i enjoy the speaking part and the getting out in the community and um kind of spreading our brand with kimberly football because I don't know if you know about this, but there's not a lot of people that really enjoy Kimberly uh, football. Yeah. We got some haters out yeah, there, so for sure. uh, I, I enjoy going out and, and talking about the good stuff that we're doing because I think there's a you know big misperception that we're all about winning and we recruit and we do all this stuff to to gain this advantage. When all actuality, we we don't. We just got really good people that work hard and uh, a strong culture. Definitely. Do you think? Um, yeah, I'm not even gonna ask that. Um, I was just going to say thank you so much for coming and all you do. Is there anything I'm going to, I'm going to have him ask if there's any, is there any questions? Is there any, no. Okay, cool. Um, just as a takeaway for people who are either watching now or watch the whole thing. Um, if, if there's any kind of pertinent, like thing about leadership or just following your dreams or, or whatever it is, um, do you have any good advice or what's the best advice that, that you feel you have or that you've been given? Yeah, I, I go a lot of different directions with that. Um, so yeah. I, I guess what, what I'd, I'd probably end with would be, um, you know, the mantra that we started um, back when I first got the job. Um, and that's the story of the water, the bamboo. Mm. Uh, and I think it ties things back to what we were talking about before about this microwave society. Mm-hmm. And uh, the story goes like this. I'll, I'll, I'll share just the shortened version. But yeah. there's a type of bamboo farmer, and he, and he plants the giant bamboo. And he'll plant it in the dirt and water it morning and night, morning and night. And six months pass, a year passes, and, and you don't see anything. And the bamboo farmer goes back out to that same piece of dirt. And for another year, another 365 days, he waters that piece of dirt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are telling him, you know, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. Move on. Uh, there's nothing there, but again, the bamboo farmer's patient and he's persistent. And so the third year happens, same thing, 365 days, nothing. And then the fourth year, the giant bamboo will grow 90 feet in 60 days. So it'll just explode out of the out of the gra- wow. out of the out of the, the ground. And um, I love that story personally because I get four years with kids, and yeah. uh, you know, it works perfect. You, you never know when you're going to see the growth, you know. And um, and that's again the fun part. And I also love the story because I think. It, it it gets us back to what you know i think really life's about is is being patient and understanding you're not going to see success overnight and mm-hmm. you know whether it's it's your business or whether yeah. it's you know relationships or whether it's uh whatever it is in your life um a lot so many people when they don't see the results right away they just want to move on to the next big sexy thing and mm-hmm. uh i think it's the people that stick stick it out and through the the haters and the critics on Twitter and yep. um, through the failures and through the setbacks, they just continue to stay with it. And uh, I think the people that are willing to outlast other people and show grit and determination are the ones that end up being um, successful on the other side. Definitely. It's the only way you'll ever get through to the vision. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're just jumping. Yep. No Definitely. Doubt. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming. Thank Coach you. Jones. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Um, we're going to eat, but uh, definitely go out there. Um make the community great and uh yeah it really is about persistence it's about setting up foundation for yourself and you know deciding what you want out of life and then taking the long road so it was awesome i'm so glad that you guys could hear that from coach jones and uh, hopefully you guys have a a little more insight into um what makes the kimberly football program so great and so successful and hopefully you guys can take some of these lessons into your life um Thanks so much. Leave any comments in the 
in the comments, even if you're watching this later, and we'll be sure to respond to them. Thank you so much for watching. I'm Evan Frymuth, and this is the But Why Not podcast. That was Steve Jones, Kimberly Football's head coach. Uh, Steve went five years without losing a game. He was my head coach. Um, his first year was my senior year, and we went to the third round of the playoffs in Wisconsin. And Steve has built a great program, and he has a great approach, great positivity, and has really made the most of his life and his situation. And yeah, hope you enjoyed.